Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What up, what up, what up, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It is a Monday and news is a breaking uh, pretty much as we speak, minutes before we got on air, uh, Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys come to an agreement on a new four-year contract extension. Uh, looks like about $126 million guaranteed uh, over the first three years of the four-year contract. That averages out to about a $42 million a year uh, take uh, for Dak Prescott. Congratulations. I think he absolutely deserves it. Loves it. Love it when um, you know the next quarterback in line or the next position player in line uh, pushes it uh, a little bit further, a little bit further out there. Uh, and that's certainly what Dak Prescott uh, did today. So congratulations to him coming off uh, the horrific injury uh, he suffered. Uh, but it looks like he is now uh, set and uh, generations of Prescotts to come uh, are, are set uh, with this life-changing uh, new contract extension uh, for Dak Prescott. Um, so uh, good for him and good for the Cowboys. Uh, they got their guy and uh, we'll see uh, if... Dak Prescott is the guy to uh, to finally get the Cowboys back to the Super Bowl and Super Bowl championship. Uh, that's one of the premier elite franchises in the NFL. It's always a better league uh, when they're riding high. Um, and now that they've got their quarterback in place for the ne- at least the next four years, uh, they've at least got that uh, down uh, and 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 rectified and and situated. Uh, now the trick is building a team around somebody that's going to make about forty two million dollars. I got to see what it looks like. In terms of the annual average salary, there's always signing bonuses and things like that uh, that can offset that hit a little bit, uh, but we uh, shall see. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We want your call, 702-365-9200. A lot to get to from the Raiders' uh, perspective. Uh, shakeups going on as we speak in the secondary. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner, uh, who the Raiders signed uh, two years ago to a four-year contract, uh, played well at safety for the Los Angeles Rams, but when he gets to uh, the Raiders, they move him to slot cornerback. Uh, it never really worked out uh, for for Lamarcus uh, at that position. Um, I, I, I'm not quite sure what the thinking was uh, behind uh, the positional change. Um, he was always better at safety with the Rams than he was at cornerback, but that was a decision that Paul Gunther made. Uh, I thought it was at the, kind of at the expense uh, of LaMarcus uh, Joyner, and he never really lived up uh, to the billing. Uh, the Ra- Raiders uh, will officially release him with two years left on his contract. Uh, they'll absorb about a $2.5 million hit toward the salary cap. However, uh, it also represents an $8.7 million savings. Uh, so you do the math. Uh, it was a justifiable uh, release, or it is a justifiable release release. Uh, it'll it'll create eight point seven million dollars uh, under the salary cap. Simultaneous to that, uh, the Raiders brought in a cornerback uh, today uh, to start the process of a of a free free agent visit. Former Jacksonville Jaguars Pro Bowler uh, uh, AJ uh, Boye uh, was at the facility today um, for a free agent visit. Now. Uh, first and foremost, uh, because we're still dealing with COVID-19, uh, he'll get COVID-19 tested, have to go through that you know, uh, protocol. Um, usually it's a, it's a fairly quick turnaround in terms of uh, the testing and the results. Uh, so uh, chances are uh, early this week, uh, maybe even tomorrow, 
uh, he'll start his official visit with the uh, with the Raiders, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, AJ was a very very good cornerback for the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, between 2017. Uh, 2016 and 2017, it, during those years, uh, he played pretty, really well, uh, actually, uh, and played opposite Jalen Ramsey, but oftentimes uh, drew the number one assignment. Um, uh, you know, as 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 the top cornerback, especially after Jalen got traded uh, over to the Rams, uh, and and accorded himself very very well. Uh, there were two years there where he was dynamite, um, and he again he made the Pro Bowl, was All Pro. Uh, second team selection, uh, I think that was 2017 or 2018, one of those two years where he was playing really, really well at an elite level uh, of football. Um, injuries hampered him in 2019, but also uh, when you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars situation, they just started trading guys and getting rid of guys left and right, especially on that defense. It went on and on and on. Uh, and after a while, it was probably to the detriment of A.J. Uh, Boye because uh, next thing you know, um, all his uh, all his partners are, are no longer there and there were some really, really good players that he was playing alongside. And you're always going to be at your best when you're playing with the best. Um, this is an 11-man team game. Uh, you can't be out there all by yourself uh, expecting to get the job done in his play suffered a little bit or his numbers suffered a little bit on top of that uh, injuries occurred and this was in uh, 2019 where his play took a dip um, then he gets traded to the uh, Denver Broncos uh, last year um, uh, about a year ago today really um, almost and uh, the, the Denver Broncos gave up a, a first round pick or excuse me a fourth round pick uh, to get AJ he comes to Denver all with the expectations of uh, still being elite corner um, and playing well for the Denver Broncos. Unfortunately, he was limited to just seven games. And um, a shoulder injury, uh, season-ending soldier, shoulder, I'm trying to say shoulder injury, uh, cut him down after seven games, and that was that. So uh, his season was over. Uh, he really didn't get a chance to uh, to, to do much uh, in the short period of time that he played uh, with the Broncos in a cost-cutting move. The Broncos released him last month, uh, saves them about $11.7 million or creates about $11.7 million, uh, $11 million in cap relief. He hits the open market uh, as a veteran free agent in that situation. He is free to start looking for a new home, and it looks like Las Vegas is a uh, potential landing spot, and it makes a lot of sense, uh, and I'll tell you why. Uh, his best years were in Jacksonville. No, he didn't play for Gus Bradley, uh, the new Raiders defensive coordinator, who was the head coach uh, in Jacksonville for, for three years. However, uh, the defense, once you know Gus Bradley didn't work out for him as the head coach with Jacksonville Jaguars, he leaves. He becomes a defensive coordinator in 2017 of the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, but the defense that he left over was basically the same um, uh, defense, at least in terms of scheme, uh, that he's now putting together uh, with the Raiders. It, it's a 4-3 defense, cover three defense. That stayed intact uh, in Jacksonville uh, when A.J. gets over there, and he played really well uh, in that defense for those couple of years that we mentioned before uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars just decided that they're going to start trading a bunch of great uh, defensive players, uh, Jalen Ramsey among them. Um, so, uh, if you look at it from that perspective, he is very well versed in this defense, uh, this cover three defense. He's long, um, he's physical. He can cover both sides of the, both sides of the field. 
Uh, he's really good against the run, excellent, actually, uh, against the run. And so you got to figure if he's healthy, and that's going to be a big key. If he's cleared from the injuries that uh, that hampered him last year and, um, and limited him a little bit uh, the year before, I know that he played 14 games in 2019, but there was also – uh, I think it was a calf uh, issue and a uh, another leg-oriented uh, issue, uh, or there was also a wrist inj- injury that he was dealing with. Anytime you're you're banged up, it's going to affect your play, and and it sounds like, or it seems like, that was the case in 2019. We already talked about what happened in 2020, but uh, the bottom line is, if he's healthy, he's definitely a starting caliber player in this league. Uh, he's 29 years old. I'm not worried about the age whatsoever. Um, uh, you know, depending on how long he signs here with the Raiders, he could provide immediate help to a young secondary. What does that mean for Trayvon Mullen? I think he's perfectly fine, and I think he's ascending uh, to being a very good NFL defensive back, uh, cornerback. Uh, Damon Arnett, we didn't really get a great read on the first rounder last year from Ohio State, uh, but you know, uh, because of injuries and, and uh, uh, concussions, things like that. He was limited uh, in how many games he played. Um, so maybe AJ comes and, and competes for a starting job uh, You know, uh, at that position. I would expect that, that to be the case. Maybe at this stage of his career, um, you know, the Raiders could envision him as a slot cornerback, as the replacement for uh, LaMarcus Joyner. Or maybe Damon moves over to slot cornerback and AJ becomes a starter opposite Trayvon Mullen. You got options, and I'm always a believer that the more quality cornerbacks that you could have in the building and on the roster at any particular time, the better. Uh, the Raiders, Nevin Lawson, um, who's been a you know a, a decent uh, reserve cornerback, um, is a free agent. Um, we'll see what happens if they sign AJ. What that means for Nevin Lawson, but I'm, I'm, I'm here's my thing: uh, if AJ uh, is healthy and the Raiders can bring him in on a reasonable contract. Uh, you're 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 getting a lot of bonus and a lot of bang for your buck at that point. If you could bring in a starting caliber cornerback uh, at a uh, at a reasonable price, coming off an injury, um, I, I say you go for it. Uh, I think he could be a guy that could be a real asset for a young secondary. Uh, now keep in mind, if the Raiders do sign him or whoever he signs with, he's going to miss the first two games of next year. He's on uh, league suspension. Uh, a uh, situation that, that whoever signs him, Raiders included, would have to work around. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. T.Y. is on the line, wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, T.Y.? Vinny? Hey, brother. How you doing? Hey, man. I'm doing all right, man. Uh, hey, I seen something on Bleacher Report, man, where you was um, where you was talking about uh, the cat, uh, the hunter cat from um, uh, Minnesota. Daniel Hunter. Yep, Daniel Hunter. Okay, all right. And I was just thinking, man, I would be all for trading that 17th pick or whatever if he's on the trade block. But ain't that like kind of like the same thing of like, okay, if we trade him for that 17th pick, don't we got to repay? I mean, don't we got to pay him? And I'm sure he's going to want max money. Um, and that's why we traded Khalil Mack, right? Yes, yeah, uh, you did. and But the situations are a little bit different, and here's why. Uh, back in 2018, um, when John Gruden took over, and, um, you know, and Khalil was set to be – Khalil was going into his fifth year, right, uh, of right. his contract. It was the same year that Aaron Donald, who was drafted um, – Six or seven spots, ten spots or so uh, after um, after Khalil, 
uh, was drafted was that same draft. So they're both going into their fifth year simultaneously, same exact year. Uh, Khalil had the chance to just kind of sit back and let Aaron Donald set the market, knowing full well that whatever Aaron Donald signed for, I'm going to ask for you know two million dollars more. I'm going to top it, whatever what, you know, because he was in a better position. And anyway, long story short, at that point in time. For the Raiders, when John Gruden took a look at this roster, an honest look at this roster, and said, okay, so um, my choice here is paying Khalil Mack $22 million on, an off- on a defense and offense, basically, at that time, uh, whose roster uh, and depth chart looks like Swiss cheese. There's holes all over uh, the place, right? Um, uh, there wasn't right, a quality right. wider, you know, a, a, a big-time wide receiver uh, depth or running back. The offensive line needed help. Uh, the defensive line needed help. The secondary needed help. It was just, it was not the right time to invest $21, $22 million into one player knowing there were all these holes uh, across the roster. So what the Raiders decided, it wasn't, hey, uh, we're going to be better off by trading Khalil Mack. In their estimation, it was maybe we'll be better off given all the holes that we have um, you know, uh, on this roster. Maybe we're better off if we're trading this asset who is coming up on a, a, a new uh, big-time contract, uh, getting a bunch of draft picks for him uh, and, and uh, using the draft picks, and the money now we'll be saving under the salary cap to fill multiple holes rather than just the one hole. Okay, So that was the thinking right. three years ago, four years ago now. Today, if you're the Raiders, if you look at the, if you're, you know, yes, there are still some holes uh, on 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 the on the defense, but not as many as there were. And if you're if you're confident that young guys are going to take step forwards, if you're confident uh, that you're going to be able to hit on a couple of you know uh, 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 free agent additions, you're 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 way closer uh, in 2021 than you were in 2018 to having a full and complete defense. So maybe the thinking now is reverse. Like maybe this is the time to add a veteran impact uh, defensive player to an otherwise young, up and coming uh, a defense with a new defensive coordinator that that surrounded by all these young players, they've invested a bunch of draft picks in defense. They brought in Corey Littleton and Nick Wachowski. There's talent there. Clee Farrell is an ascending player. Maybe now is the time to go ahead and use a draft pick or two, and it would probably be two draft picks, to go get a proven guy that has 30 sacks over the last two years. So the timing and the window and the circumstances are a little bit different. But yeah, you would the Vikings would be in the position that the Raiders were in a few years ago, and the Raiders would be in the position that the Chicago Bears were in a few years ago. It's just all about timing. Hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. And thank you, Vinny. Yeah, you got it. So yeah, there's no there's no question that it's it's it would be a reversal of what they did uh, four years ago. But what they did four years ago was to was it was uh, in the context of where they were as a franchise as a roster in 2018. Uh, if they were to make a move now, where you're using draft assets to go get a proven. Uh, player that's still in his prime, it reflects where you feel you are right now. Uh, the Raiders have done a really good job uh, addressing uh, their needs offensively, uh, and and the numbers reflect that. The Raiders have invested a whole bunch of draft picks uh, in defense and free agency money in defense, um, and and I, I I believe that there's talent there, um, and and it just needs to be coached up and nurtured and and developed a little bit more. And and there's players that need to 
do right by themselves, whether it's getting into the weight room and getting into the playbook and just making that natural uh, progression. But there is talent now, and you stick a guy like Danielle Hunter, uh, uh, Daniel Hunter, uh, into the into the picture. This is a guy that's a premier pass rusher. You're talking about 56 sacks over his first five years, and 30 over the last two. He's a difference maker, and we all know that in Gus Bradley's defense. You need to create heat up front. Look what happened with the Vikings when he wasn't in there. That defense took a major step back, and now you're asking yourself, well, why would the Vikings uh, you know, trade him? Well, they're, they've got some serious issues with the salary cap, and they may not be able to afford him. And yes, he's going to want a new contract. There's no question about it. Uh, but you know, f- from the Raiders' perspective, it makes a lot of sense to have uh, a, a young um, still in his prime, dominant player at a major position of need and pay him that money and put him alongside uh, uh, this defensive foundation that you're building with young players that are on their, you know, still on their rookie deals. It's a time to take advantage of that. Now that now might be the time uh, to do that. It wouldn't be any different than what the Colts did in bringing uh, DeForest Buckner in. Uh, they traded a, a high first-round pick. I think it was the eighth pick overall last year to go get a difference maker along their defensive line. And they felt like, hey, now's the time to go ahead and make a bold move uh, to do that. Look what uh, difference he made. Look what the uh, the Buffalo Bills did in trading their first-round pick last year to go get Stephon Diggs at a major position of need. They'll probably re-sign him, too. So it's going to cost some money. The the, the Indianapolis Colts uh, re-signed DeForest Buckner. They invested the money. They invested the draft pick and got a great player uh, out of it. That's exactly what happened you know, with in, in, in Buffalo. The Seattle Seahawks give up two first-round picks to go get Jamal Adams, a proven impact defensive player. All of those situations were of teams that felt like, hey, we're right there. Uh, now we've built this team uh, and, and and done a pretty good job of, of, of building this team and building this roster and filling these holes. We're now in a position where we can go single and bold at one position uh, and pay the kind of money it's going to take. Uh, are the Raiders at that position uh, in that particular spot? I actually think that they are. And I think that getting a veteran player, somebody that's not going to, there's not going to be any question marks about Daniel Hunter. He's going to come in here and produce if they trade for him. Um, uh, and, and adding to a, a young defense, a very young defense, I think it's the perfect time uh, to make a move like that. We'll see. The Vikings obviously have to make him available, but word out of Minnesota is they're in a salary uh, crimp. Uh, they might not be able to, to to afford him the way their salary cap is structured. Uh, so as a result, he might be available. Um, I think if I'm the, if, if that's the case, then I'm, if I'm the Raiders, I'm absolutely looking into that. He is exactly what they need in this stuff, in this defense. We're going to go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Mitch is in New Jersey and wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Mitch? Hey, Vin. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. You got it, brother. First of all, the money that I threw at a bad boy, I guess he uh, he gambled and he warned himself. It was kind of like reminding me when they gave all that money to Derek Carr. You know, and he's so wishy-washy and keeping him or not. Um, I still think uh, Dallas over, over, spent more money than necessary. They overspent more than what the Rays spent to keep uh, Carr. But anyway, um, First of all, a couple of guys, uh, Jacksonville. I'm sure Gardner, um, Gardner's going to be available back up. He's he's not going to be starting. I think his days are, are gone. That's done. I think Gardner right. uh, You think the Rays right. be interested in him? 
Well, if I'm if I'm him, um, and obviously you know uh, he's kind of under the thumb right now of uh, of of the team um, in terms of the contract and everything like that. So, uh, you know, if he is available, uh, if I'm Jacksonville, you know that the the way to go is 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 the, is the trade situation right there. So, it, I, if I'm the Raiders, no, I would not trade for uh, for him. Uh, if he was on the open market, maybe. Um, but but uh, you know, I think that. You know, if you want to sign a backup quarterback, um, you know, uh, let dust. I, I think there's going to be some good quarterbacks that are out there on the open market after all the dust settles uh, that might be able to be had for uh, a reasonable price. Uh, so I wouldn't be in any rush to go sign a uh, another quarterback. Obviously, the Raiders first and foremost have to make a decision on Marcus Mariota. I think that the holding is holding. Does one receiver for Jacksonville? He's been out for a couple of years now with USC Lee. Um, I think Mark he's prime. Yeah, yeah. I want he'd be available. Um, I'm, I'm kind of. I want to raise, not not go for reaches like they did last year with the guy from Clemson. His name is Skating because it seems like football's been a long time ago. It's been a long two years with with all that's going on. I'm sorry, Vince. Yeah, um, no. Uh, you're talking about Clee Farrell, who I, I, you know, I'm actually bullish on on Clee. Uh, I thought that he uh, was a markedly better player last year. You ranked. Uh, as one of the top 15 defensive ends in the league for most of the year before injuries and COVID kind of kind of took a little bit of a toll late in the season. He was top 12, top 11 uh, oh, really? defensive end in the league. I, 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 I'm not it, – it, I, I understand that he was the fourth pick overall. And so, you know, Raider fans were expecting a Hall of Famer um, right <laughs> off the bat. Um, and But that's not always going to happen. Look at the history of fourth pick overall. There's still no guarantee, no matter how high you're drafted. But he's a guy that is coming along and has made necessary strides and made a big stride forward. I don't see why Raider Nation doesn't see that. Uh, but look at the film. Look at the statistics. Look at all the measurements. He's a good football player on the verge of being very, very good. Just give it more, a little bit more time. Uh, he's headed in that direction. So um, was it a reach? Well, I think... Going into that draft, they wanted Bosa, uh, Joey's younger brother, um, you know, you know the, the, younger, the younger Bosa brother, but they just weren't high enough in the draft to get him. And so they had to, you know, they wanted to fix the defensive line or address the defensive bad, line. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry, uh, bad timing. Well, but I, I was seeing just uh, holding the main draft choice. I'm not, I'm not into that hunter. Uh, I wish he had gone after Watt. That would have been a lot cheaper than training for the, I mean, training for the guy from Minnesota. Um, escape my I definitely, I mean, you hack, uh, Mac, and I'm still kind of pissed that they trade him away. I mean, it's going to happen again. You, you, you give up a lot for this guy, and he might walk as a free agent hunter. Um, well, I mean, if you, if you, if you make that trade, you're definitely doing it with the, uh, you know, with the intent of oh. re-signing him. And I so. yeah, I, I mean, if, if you're asking me who I'd rather have, um, Daniel Hunter or, uh, JJ Watt. As of right now, I'm 1,000 percent on Daniel Hunter. I mean, he's a he's 26 years old. I was just looking for two years for Watt. That's what I was thinking. What's that? I mean, I, I was just looking for with with JJ and uh, and uh, and Farrell. With JJ, JJ's got like two years left, and I still think he's got something in the tank. Well, yeah, he, he, yeah, he 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 might, but but at but at that cost, you know, at this, you know, he's what 16, 17 million or so that he, that he's going to make. I, I I'd rather have Daniel Hunter. I think that. Um, he still has a ceiling. I think he fits really well with what the Raiders uh, want to do. Uh, and if you're going to give up, 
if you're going to give up assets and, and put money into somebody, I'd rather it be somebody that's still in their prime. I mean, this is the right time to go get a Daniel. In fact, this is what I've been preaching for a while now. Uh, I'm not sure if he's actually going to be available, uh, but I've been saying for a while now, keep an eye out on guys like Daniel Hunter. They're, they're, they are, we don't know about all of them uh, that for whatever reason might be available. There's nothing, um, you know, that he, the Vikings love them. Uh, there's no question about it, but because of where they are in their salary cap situation, they're going to have to make a hard decision on whether or not they're going to be able to bring a dynamic player like that back. Or, um, you know, if they don't want to lose him to free agency, uh, then maybe trade him and get some assets uh, for him. That's what the, the 49ers did with DeForest. They didn't want to lose DeForest Buckner. Uh, but they understood that because of everything that else was going on with their team and their salary cap, they were likely to lose him uh, to free agency for nothing. Um, so they went ahead and got a first-round pick uh, for him. Uh, the same thing with Jamal. Now, Jamal Adams just wanted it out. He was not going to sign back uh, with the New York Jets and said and force his way out of town. And so uh, you know the, the Seattle Seahawks jumped on that. Stephon Diggs, there was some tension with he and the Vikings. Um, money came into play as well. So there's all various reasons why guys are available. You just have to be ready to pounce at the right time when guys are available at positions of need. And Daniel Hunter, if he is available, that's a guy that the Raiders have to be at least curious about to figure out what it would take to go get him. And I would pay a pretty penny to go get Daniel Hunter. He is exactly what they need on the defensive line. He will make a difference in an area that a difference needs to be made and has to be made for this defense to move forward. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonson and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It is a Monday, and uh, man, just news keeps um, just uh, coming out. Uh, but again, we keep talking about this. Uh, the NFL and my, uh, uh, my next guest uh, is going to um, definitely validate this. Um, or back this up, the NFL just never stops, man. Uh, it just seems like yesterday <laughs> that the Super Bowl wrapped up and, and a day before that that the Raiders wrapped up. And now we're already talking about the new league year starting in a couple of weeks and guys are getting signed, guys are getting traded, uh, guys are getting released um, as teams get prepared uh, to, to uh, figure out a way to, uh, to navigate this um, decreased uh, salary cap. So it just never, never ends. And I have to say, I kind of like that. Uh, I kind of like it. It keeps people like me uh, busy and employed, and certainly my next guest as well. Uh, without further ado, I'd like to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in my teammate over at the Las Vegas Review Journal, Vegas Nation, VegasNation.com, uh, Vegas Nation being the app, uh, Sam Gordon, uh, who uh, helps me cover uh, the, the Raiders on a daily basis. Sam, how are you doing, my brother? What's up, Vinny? Doing well. Good to talk to you again. Uh, fresh off our podcast this morning. How's everything going? Everything is going good. I'm certainly not as good as uh, Dak Prescott, I'll tell you that right now. Uh, my man got paid uh, big time, and uh, rightfully so. I think that uh, it was a no-brainer uh, that you bring Dak Prescott back if you're the Dallas Cowboys. I think he's the perfect face of your franchise. 
uh, does everything well, um, you know, is just kind of embodies uh, the Dallas Cowboys. And I think that they did right by him. He did right by the organization. Uh, and now they can march uh, into the future together and see if they can, uh, you know, go about uh, getting the getting the Cowboys back where they belong, kind of like the Raiders uh, and, and, and how the Raiders, uh, where the Raiders belong. Uh, those are two premier franchises, the NFL. Any surprises on what you're reading about with Dak Prescott, the cost, the years, um, or and and the fact that it that it actually happened? Uh, no, no surprise, man. I think his value, Dak's value, was really put in perspective after he after he gets hurt and after that injury happens, and it's unfortunate, right, that it, it required something like that for the kind of the franchise to realize um, how important it was to have Dak on the field. But you're looking at a guy who, what, what impresses me the most from afar is leadership, intangibles. Like you said, face of a franchise type. He was on pace for his best statistical season. I mean, and, and he was doing that with one of the worst defenses in the NFL, having to, having to keep them in shootouts every single week. But he was playing really, really well. And teams knew that they were going to throw the ball, that the Cowboys were going to throw the ball. And it did not matter because Dak and those receivers, that receiving core, you know, that prolific receiving core, the Mari Cooper and C.D. Lamb, who I'm a big fan of, who, who played really well in 2020. And uh, you have Michael Gallup, and, and he just had a really, really good rapport with those guys and I thought was, a, was continuing to ascend, even though he's a guy that had a lot of success already, ha- having a division championship, having a couple playoff uh, appearances, and having, having won a playoff game in the past. And there was just, with, with Andy Dalton and, or Garrett Gilbert or whoever they had under center there, there was a significant drop-off, and they, they had playoff expectations, obviously fell short, and you know really, really struggled without Dak Prescott. So for him to... To get the, the deal, we're seeing a report of what four years, 160 million, so about 40 million a year. Uh, that 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 is the market for 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 top quarterbacks these days, um, based on what we've seen over the last couple of years. And and he certainly, to me, when healthy and when right, and when he's getting protected uh, with with that offensive line up front, he to me is a you know top top six, seven, eight, nine, ten guy, right? He he's right there where I feel good if Dak Prescott's my quarterback that I can go out there and compete with anybody on any given Sunday. I, I, he, he gives you a chance to compete and, and win, win games with his, with his legs, with his arm, and most importantly with his leadership and the way he's able to galvanize that team. So good for Dak, um, long overdue, and, and I think makes sense for both sides. Dallas knows they have a direction. They have their quarterback secured for the next four years, and Dak uh, has that stability himself and is able to, to really, really create generational wealth for him and his family. Uh, generational wealth without uh, a, a doubt. Uh, the, the, the future <laughs> Prescotts uh, are going to be well taken care of, and, and, and rightfully so. Uh, and congratulations to Dak Prescott. He absolutely deserved uh, this uh, this contract extension. We're talking to Sam Gordon. You can follow him at by Sam Gordon. And uh, uh, really quick, another other, some, some more breaking news: the Jets have franchise tagged uh, safety Marcus May. So, um, if uh, for Raider fans out there who were thinking about uh, uh, Marcus May as a as a free agent, um, you know, possibility that is off the table. Uh, it keeps kind of dwindling down. Uh, to my guy John Johnson from the Rams, uh, we'll see. But uh, one more uh, free agent to be is off the market, joining Justin Simmons, who the uh, Denver Broncos franchise tagged uh, at free safety as well. So uh, the options are starting to uh, to, to diminish. At, at safety, uh, Sam, and, and we've talked about John Johnson quite a bit. Uh, I don't see how the Rams are going to be able to work that, uh, given everything that they're obligated to, uh, all the contracts that they're obligated to. Uh, who knows? Uh, maybe that's the direction that it'll go for the, for the Raiders at free safety and free agency. 
I mean, and if they did go that direction, Vinny, if you do bring in John Johnson, I think that would be like a victory of, of all victories, right? This is a guy who uh, is entering the prime of his career. I mean, still very young, uh, a lot of upside left. I mean, still room, I think, as good as he was to get better. 25 years old, just turned 25 in December. We're talking about a guy who was graded number three by Pro Football Focus. He's proficient in the run and in the pass in, and in coverage. There's Really no holes in his game, and, um, and and it really fills a need, right? The Raiders need help on that back end and coverage, and they could also use another player to come down and play the run. I thought the Raiders really, really struggled late in the season uh, playing the run, and obviously that starts up front. But you need help at all three levels. You need support at all three levels. And with a guy like him who is ascending, who is a, a veteran in his own way, but still a young player with room to grow, uh, I think he, if, if, if the Raiders can find a way to, to bring him in, uh, that would be the kind of the impact player, that game-changing player. I know it's not a big, sexy name. It's not super glamorous. He's still kind of a uh, you know an unknown amongst the casual football fans. But for people like yourself, Vinny, football experts, NFL experts, you know how good this guy is. I believe the Raiders definitely know how good this guy is. And he would, for me, in my opinion, fill, fill that void that, okay, this is a guy that can break the game for me. You know he's consistent. He's going to provide consistency in both areas, but he's also capable of making big plays that can change the game and impacting ways – impacting the game in, in ways that's positive for the teammates around him. I think it, this Raiders defense really never felt cohesive. And, and, and it, the best defenses, uh, we'll, we'll use Tampa Bay, for example. They have, they have a, a pass rush. They have good linebackers uh, that, that, can, that can cover and that can stop the run. And as a result, that helps out their secondary, which you know, many people will consider kind of the weaker part of their defense. But there's synergy there. Everybody kind of helps each other out, and they cover up for what they're not good at because – unique skill sets on that defense. I think John Johnson would be a guy that would do that and bring a lot to the table in his own right. And, and like you said, the market, uh, because of those franchise tags, the, 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 the market is shrinking and, and it's going to create a premium on, on players like John Johnson. I, I expect the Raiders to give him a look as well as other teams around the league. Yep, for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got to I know um, Raider Nation is wary. Oh, well, you know, they signed Corey Littleton, didn't quite work out. In year one, I still believe that Corey Littleton can be an impact player. And obviously, and we're going to get to uh, LaMarcus Joyner uh, here in a second, obviously didn't work out uh, signing a Rams safety a couple of years ago. But in, in LaMarcus's case, two different uh, situations. He's not even, they're not even close to being the same player. Um, and that's no disrespect uh, to LaMarcus Joyner, but they're not even in the same, um, you know, uh, to me, talent-wise, skill-wise, versatility-wise, uh, John Johnson is just a superior player. Uh, and on top of that, you know, in, in LaMarcus's um, defense, you know, the minute he gets to the Raiders, they move him uh, to cornerback, which wasn't his natural and best position. His best years with the Rams were at safety. They moved him to cornerback. Uh, for whatever reason, Paul Gunther decided to do that, were his own, uh, but it didn't work out. So uh, you could blame LaMarcus Joyner all you want, uh, but there were some circumstances going on there. He just wasn't playing his correct position. But let's quickly touch on that. LaMarcus Joyner will be released. Um, the Raiders will, uh, will, will be able to create $8.7 million in salary cap relief as a result. They'll eat 2.5 uh, of the contract. They'll gladly do that uh, to, to create um, you know, some, some extra space. So A, LaMarcus Joyner is getting released. B, on top of that, uh, as, we, as we wrote about today in the, uh, in the review journal, uh, A.J. Uh, Boye, um, the veteran cornerback, former pro bowler for the Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars, is in Las Vegas uh, to take a free agent uh, visit with, with, the Ra with the Raiders. Your thoughts on the LaMarcus Joyner news and the possibility of A.J. Boye uh, becoming a Raider? 
Yeah, Vinny, first on, on Joyner, right, this is when you, you go over the Raiders' cap sheet, as we've done the last X amount of weeks, kind of figuring out ways they can save money. This was one that jumped out based on the value, a four-year, $42 million deal, based on what they already paid to him, the production he, he, he put forth the last couple of years, and then what he was due to make coming forward. I'm, I'm certainly not surprised. I, I think LaMarcus Joyner, like you said, he's a, he's a good player. He had some great years with the Rams, but he's also on the wrong side of 30 and not necessarily giving you what you wanted at that value. You talk about John Johnson, right? John Johnson, 25 years old. If you're signing him, it's at a completely different point in his career than when you signed LaMarcus Joyner. And to your point about him as a safety, I mean, even going back to Florida State, what he was able to do there, winning the national championship and be a part of that great team with Jameis Winston and all those pros, I mean, he was even at his best there, I thought, as a safety, a guy who was able to kind of roam around and do some things and, you know, be able to freelance a little bit and make plays. And we just really never saw him kind of get back to form. I, I do think even though he is um, going to be turning 31 next season, I still think he, there's good football left to be played. It's just going to be elsewhere. It makes a lot of sense. For I, I think there's going to be teams interested in, in him as kind of a veteran, you know, third safety or, or got to, you know, just kind of does some things and wanders around out there in the secondary. But for the Raiders, from where they're at right now, for the kind of player they need and the kind of defense they want, he wasn't going to fill that. He wasn't, he wasn't filling that role, and it makes sense that they want to move on from him. As far as Boyer is concerned, uh, another, th- another move I think that makes, makes a ton of sense here. Now, he, was, he only played seven games. He wasn't able to get on the field and put forth a full season with the Denver Broncos, but we're only a couple years removed from him, Vinny. In 2017, this is a guy that was a second-team All-Pro, right? So he, he was one of the better corners in the league, was, I thought was a pretty good player for most of his tenure uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he's still, I mean, he's going to be 30 this year, but it, from, from, from my perspective, if you're the Raiders, it makes sense because, A, he's a veteran corner that I still think has some good football left in him and, and has some ability to, to play at a high level, and, B, you need somebody, a, a veteran, to come in there and push these young guys, an established veteran that has a pedigree, that's been a pro bowler, that's been an all-pro, to, to push the Trayvon Mullins, to push the Damon Arnett's, to, 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 to raise the level of competition in practice and to kind of set a standard they're in the secondary. Uh, that secondary is very, very young. Uh, obviously, they're losing a veteran in LaMarcus Joyner, and I think replacing him with another veteran, an accomplished veteran, a veteran that's done some things at a high level in this league for a long time um, makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, something short-term, I don't think you necessarily want to commit long-term dollars to him, but something short-term right now where you can plug him in, you can play him, and he can contribute, but he can also help the young guys out. Uh, for me, I, I feel like that's a really good fit if they do end up coming to terms here and, and bringing him in on a, on a deal. Yeah, and you know, I understand. Obviously, you look at the statistics, uh, the level of play it dropped. Um, you know, in two thousand mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and and nineteen in um, in, in uh, AJ's uh, situation, uh, there were some injuries that he was dealing with that year. We talked. You talked about uh, you know the the, the shoulder injury uh, that cut him down to seven games last year. But I want to. You, you mentioned twenty seventeen. Uh, he was really good in twenty seventeen. I want to mention some players um, that were. I'm just going to throw some some names at you. Uh, Calais Campbell, Jalen Ramsey, yeah, Yannick Agagwe, uh. Dante Fowler, right? These were players <laughs> that he was pl- that was pl- that he was playing with in Jacksonville, um, and slowly but surely, all of those guys kept getting traded away or moved on, you know, from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, so there, there has to be something to be said. There's, there has to be some kind of account for hey. If you're losing great players around you, your your play is probably going to suffer a little bit too, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And and like, listen, he's a obviously he has he has a, as a cornerback, you have a very defined role, one of the most defined roles I think in the whole league in terms of 
you got this guy uh, across from you, you guard him, or you have this area and you're responsible for this area of the field, right? Pretty cut and dry, pretty straightforward. But like we talked about, Vinny, the synergy thing, that's a big-time defense where they, he was able to be around great players that were able to help him raise his game to another level. And, and that wasn't the case the last few years. We know Jacksonville's been an absolute dumpster fire. And finally, now maybe going to be turning the corner with, with Trevor Lawrence and all the cap space they have and Urban Meyer taking over and, and trying to establish his program. Uh, but even with Denver last year, Denver is talented defense, but we never got to see him out there for 16 games and really see what he can do and what kind of football um, he has left in him at, at this stage of his career. So, yeah, maybe not quite the player he once was. I mean, I don't think it's—I don't think anybody should be expecting him to be a second-team All-Pro again or a perennial Pro Bowler. But he's proven in the past that he can be an impact player, and I still think he's young enough where there's some good football left in him if he is healthy and, and if he's right. And, and you know, who knows? Maybe that's right here in Las Vegas. We're talking to Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Re- Review Journal. Uh, you could follow him at by Sam Gordon. All right, Sam. So with the departure of LaMarcus Joyner. Um, that obviously opens up a uh, position slot cornerback. Um, let's just play this forward a little bit. If you bring in uh, A.J. Boye, uh, is he, uh, does he compete with uh, Damon Arnett um, for, for that starter role? Uh, could, could Damon Arnett move to the slot? Could A.J. Boye move to the slot? You keep Damon Arnett uh, at outside cornerback. Um, I'm going to be looking at the film uh, later later today to try to get an idea of what uh, Boye is all is still all about. But in your mind, um, is where do you see that playing out if AJ does sign with the Raiders? Well, I think I think it what it does is it puts pressure. I mean, you put pressure a little bit of pressure on Damon Arnett, right? Damon, if you don't get it together. We have this established veteran that was a second All Pro a few years ago that we're ready to plug in and play. Now, I still think you invest the first round pick. In Damon Arnett, you want him to be the guy of the future. You want him to develop into that kind of shutdown corner, a guy that can do some things and be a real impact player in the secondary. He obviously wasn't that in 2020. That doesn't mean he's not going to be that moving forward. But it, it creates some competition. It, 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 it creates expectations. It raises the stakes. And I think that that would be healthy for a situation like the Raiders where the secondary did struggle. It would be healthy to kind of create some, some competition in there and foster uh, you know, some necessary growth amongst these young players. Now, now ultimately, if Damon Arnett uh, improves and rises to the level of, of, of that, they, that they want him to or he continues to evolve as a player, he would be your outside corner, and I think Boye makes some sense in the slot. Uh, but it, it's, it's a nice option to have where if, if, it, hey, if, if Damon doesn't improve or isn't playing well and, and Boye comes in, you have a guy that's done this at a high level for a number of years. That, that's not a bad option to have. So, uh, it really, I think, creates some competition within that secondary, and, and, and it's about holding guys accountable, too, and making sure these guys are continuing to develop and get better, and, uh, and that's what that would do. So um, I, I'm really intrigued by this visit, this whole situation, and uh, really could, I think, it could impact the secondary. Again, not the sexiest name, not the biggest name, but a guy who's, who's been there, done that, and has a track record that includes some success. Last question for you, uh, Sam, and i got to give you some credit, uh, um, uh, and justifiably so. You know, we've, we've talked about whether it's on our podcast or when you come visit us in the huddle, uh, and the podcast is Vegas Nation um, uh, First and Ten, uh, which, which uh, usually comes out on Mondays. Uh, but, when you, but when we've talked about this, we've, we've talked about the possibility of the Raiders. Um, is this the right time, perhaps, for the Raiders uh, to use that first-round pick pick this year to go get an established player. Uh, we've used the model of the Colts trading for DeForest Buckner, the 
Buffalo Bills trading a first-round pick for Stephon Diggs. The Seahawks trading for um, J- uh, 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 Jamal Adams, uh, two first-round picks. Uh, and, and I say that because earlier this morning I get a text from Sam uh, who was putting me on some information about uh, Vikings defensive end Daniel Hunter perhaps being priced out of Minnesota, uh, expecting a new deal, and maybe the Vikings putting him on the open market as a trade possibility. Um, and we've talked, uh, uh, Sam, about, hey, we don't know who those guys necessarily might be, but it's almost assured that somebody is going to be available, if not multiple players are available, for whatever reason. They're getting priced out of, they're pricing themselves out of their current situation. Maybe they had a falling out like Jamal Adams had uh, with the New York Jets. But some veteran player in his prime uh, is getting ready to potentially be traded for whatever reason. Uh, and Daniel Hunter might be a guy uh, that, that fits into that category. If you're the Raiders, is that something that you'd be interested in uh, pursuing? And what would you be willing to, to give up for a Daniel Hunter? Uh, without a doubt, Vinny, without a doubt. And, you know, being from that, I'm from the Twin Cities, I still, you know, follow, I, I, I know what's going on with the Minnesota Vikings. And the, the Hunter's a guy I've watched, you know, countless times um, prior to my tenure covering the Raiders. And now he, he, he missed the 2020 season. Uh, with an injury, he was out the whole year with a neck injury. So I think for for some fans, and and you have to kind of remind yourself how dominant he is or how dominant he was. The two seasons prior, Vinny, 2018, 2019, 14 and a half sacks apiece. Now, now he came into the league in 2015. He was only 20 years old when he got drafted. And he feels like he's a, a veteran's vet at this point, but he's still only 26 years old. And you figure uh, he's got his best football or some of his best football, or at least equivalent to what he put forth in, in 2018, 2019, that, 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 that talent, that ability is still there, given his age and, and if he comes back healthy. So um, I think he would be a tremendous fit with the Raiders. He obviously feels a need, and that is an edge rusher, somebody that can make the opposing quarterback uncomfortable, somebody that can command double teams on the edge and open things up for interior players, uh, for players on the inside, for the linebackers to make plays. That can be a, a factor in the pass, in the run. He absolutely fits a need. The age makes sense. He, he's entering his prime uh, at 26 years old. And, and if I'm the Raiders, I would definitely consider uh, parting ways with, with the number one, their, their top draft choice this year, and maybe uh, you know a future second or third round pick. And, and of course, like you said, he's going to want a new contract. That's kind of the word coming out of Minnesota. He wants more money. And, and it would have to make financial sense for both teams. But I think he was making $12.5 million last year. And there's certainly room for, I mean, he deserves his money. He deserves a raise. He's one of the most dominant defensive players in the league when healthy. But something, depending on how the Raiders navigate and what, what kind of cap space they're able to, to save, and they've already started doing that, as we've talked about on our show, on, on our podcast, First and Ten, and as we've talked about on your show, with the number of moves they've made, they're, they're preparing to make some kind of move, some, get some kind of impact player in free agency, and, and he would certainly fill, fit that mold. He's a veteran, a young veteran, with upside at a position that they need at a premium position, not just for the Raiders, but around the NFL, and a guy that, that can help anchor uh, a defense that needs to improve in 2021. So if I'm the Raiders, if I'm John Gruden, if I'm Mike Mayock, I'm definitely picking up the phone and kind of seeing what's going on there and monitoring that situation. Uh, somebody always comes available. If it's him um, and he is on the move, he is a, a big-time impact, high-level pass rusher, makes a ton of sense for the Raiders. And I'm curious to see what the market is for him. Again, I would, I'd be comfortable moving a first and in a future, you know, second or third, and then trying to negotiate a long-term deal. He is that good. He is that much of an impact player, and he makes that much sense here in Las Vegas. 
I agree wholeheartedly. And uh, and Sam, you're worth a couple first round picks yourself. So uh, always remember <laughs> that you can that. follow him at bias. Yeah, follow him at by Sam Gordon. Uh, he's my teammate over at the Las Vegas Review Journal. Um, you can uh, follow him. Um, at VegasNation.com. Uh, download the app, Vegas Nation. He always does a great job. We really appreciate it. Sam, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. We will talk to you down the line. Anytime, Benny. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. All right. That's Sam Gordon from Las Vegas Review Journal. You're in the huddle. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. We're going to go right back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Gangster Raider uh, wants to talk about his Raiders. How you doing, Gangster Raider? I'm doing all right. How you doing? I'm doing good. Doing good, man. You know nothing but love, right? Yeah, exactly. I hope you know that, too. Of course. You know I mean? Of course, man. I'm, hey, I'm Italian, man. You know how we roll. We just, we'll scream and yell and throw things at each other and then hug uh, a, a minute later. So no, never, ever, same ever, here. ever. Anymore. Same here. You know exactly. Same here. We the same way. You know what exactly. I mean? <laughs> what I wanted to talk about was um, something that Gus Bradley said this weekend in the interview with Eric Allen. He mentioned a rush to maturity. And that's the phrase I was looking for because, you know, my complaints about Gruden and Carr, because when we first drafted Carr, I thought that he would be much more mature at a quarterback because think about it, he'd pretty much been in the NFL since he was nine years old when his brother David got drafted. So I thought when we drafted him that he would already be knowing how to read defenses, know how to go through his um, um, progressions and all that. He would be much more polished. I'm thinking by his second or third year, we, he would almost be like Peyton Manning at the line. But that's not the case. And he should be way more mature and, and more polished as a quarterback due, due to the fact that he pretty much grew up in the NFL and his big brother was a quarterback. That's why when we drafted him, I thought we were going to get an even better Eli Manning, you know, like how he grew up under – Peyton and learned everything. I'm thinking that that was going to be the same with Derek Carr, but that's not the case. And even in our division, he seems like the third most polished division, I mean, quarterback in our division. Mahomes looked more polished to him. He seemed like he the one that grew up in the NFL with a big brother, as well as Herbert. Herbert come in his first year as a rookie, he almost swept him. If it wasn't for that um, game-saving touchdown by Isaiah Johnson, he'd have got swept by the rookie quarterback. And he's supposed to be way more polished than that. And the same could be said with John Gruden. When John Gruden first came, he was supposed to be this guru, this genius or whatever. But after I used the other, another word about him when I called Clay and Pritch the other day. I called him an F up, but I won't say that. I say they're both underachievers because Gruden was supposed to be this 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 offensive guru, and the reason why he got traded because think about it, even that Tuck Rule game. Even after they um, made that Tuck Rule decision, we still had 22 seconds left, three timeouts, the two best receivers and two of the best receivers in NFL history, and Tim Brown and Jerry Rice, and we had Janet Kelsey that could kick it from 60 yards, and he took a knee and kneeled down. When he did that, I knew Al Davis wouldn't have him back as a coach. I didn't know he was going to be traded, but I knew he wouldn't be back as a Raider head coach. And the only reason he got a championship now is because he played us in the Super Bowl with Tony Dudgy's team and players. That's the only reason he won. Other than that, he's still underachieved. Look at what he's done since he's been back with us. This is going into his fourth year, and he's done is 8-8. Eight and eight. And the reason why I think he's immature is because he fired Coach Buckner and brought in a fossil of a coach in Fraud Marinelli, and that sabotaged our whole defense. In the previous year, um, 
the defensive line was our strongest point of our defense. Why would you fire the coach of that and bring in somebody who didn't relate with the players and pretty much sabotage the whole defense? Well, okay, let's, let, me, let, you, Hold on, let me finish. Let me finish my point. That shows a lack of maturity. And also, another point is if he was mature enough to understand how we need to play in order to win, because even with his play calling, he's supposed to be such a guru at play calling. His play calling doesn't even conducive to winning games in our division. And so that's why I say we need more mature um, coach and a more mature quarterback because I think Gruden's immaturity is starting to fight, affect Mike Mayock because that third-round pick uh, of Bowden, that's an immature pick. And I think that was – he pretty much didn't play any position. You picked a positionless player in the third round that didn't even make the team. And I, that was a Gruden pick. Influ- I mean, I think that was Gruden influencing Mayock. So I think that we I guess that's a perfect um, opportunity. What Gus, Gus Bradley said: we need a rush to maturity at important positions in our organization. That's why I think we need to have like a consultant. You know, like how Jerry West was a consultant with Golden State, and when they was doing their championship thing, we need like um, Tom Flores or John Madden to come be a consultant to John Gruden because he's too immature to have that much power in the organization. It's like the only mature person in the in the building is Mark Davis, and Gruden's immaturity is affecting Mike Mayock. Okay, all right, uh, and, and uh, uh, points well taken. Uh, number one, um, the Derek Card that I saw uh, last year is is getting uh, to that point where that dude that his command of the I don't I'm not sure what what but he should have been there already. He been hold in on, the field since he was hold, nine. Hold, well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Uh, you you've been a Raider fan longer than I've been a uh, Raider reporter. I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you how many head coaches and offensive coordinators did Derek Carr play before he got with um, uh, uh, John Gruden? Three, three oh, over how many years? Three, three or four. It, it was three. So you're saying three different offensive coordinators, three different head coaches over the first how many years of his career? Five or six. I think Gruden. Good. Came, what, okay. Good luck. No, it was through his first five years. Good luck with that. That's hard to do for a young quarterback. So you're expecting him to master uh, three different three different offenses, three different systems to a point where he can run it at the line of scrimmage early in his career when you're making that much changeover. That ain't going to happen. I'm telling you that right now. That is not going to happen, number one. Number two, so in year two, three-ish now of, of, uh, of John Gruden, working with John Gruden, he is that master that you're looking for. He absolutely is a master now at the line of scrimmage. That dude was doing things that I heard it, man. I'm at stadiums where there's nobody in the stadiums, and I can hear what he's doing at the line of scrimmage, and it was very, very impressive. You talk to his offensive teammates, how he's able to get them into the right play and out of the wrong play time and time again. He had a great season last year. He was a top 10 quarterback. He's not the issue. Number two, uh, let's go to the defensive line in 2019, which you always, you know, you're always touting that defensive line. Guess what? It still sucked, to be honest with you. I came from covering the Los Angeles Rams. All right. They what I saw in 2019 as, wait, wait, I, I let you talk. As good as you right, cl- keep you claiming right. that 2019 line, defensive line was, it still wasn't good. Clee Farrell was very young. 
they, they, you know, Max Crosby had a good year rushing the passer, but still wasn't all that good in a lot of other areas. They weren't stopping the run. They weren't, you know, uh, a major asset to anything. They were a good offensive line that because they had some sacks, everyone looks at it like they were this great, it was this great defensive line. It wasn't, and it still isn't, and it still needs to be addressed talent-wise more than anything like that. You put talent with um, with Rod Mar- Rod Marinelli wasn't the reason why this defense didn't take a step forward uh, uh, last year. It just wasn't. He was working under a defensive coordinator who had his philosophy, his way of doing things, and obviously it didn't work. Rod Marinelli was taking orders from Paul Gunther and executing those orders. That's what you do as a as a as an assistant coach. It didn't work. They've changed defensive coordinators. Gus Bradley is in here uh, doing his things his way. So the defensive line that you're going to see next year is a vision of what Gus Bradley has. Rod Marinelli will be executing that vision and teaching that uh, that that system. I think you're going to see a much better defensive line, especially if they get some better players. So the whole uh, you know. Moving on from the defensive line coach in 2019 to 2020, like that was the big reason why the defense was not good last year. I'm not buying it whatsoever. That defensive line, even in 2019, was not good. It just wasn't by any measure. It wasn't a good defensive line. So uh, to me, they've moved on from Paul Gunther. They've moved on from that system. They've moved on from that philosophy. They've got a proven defensive coordinator in here with Gus Bradley. I think you're going to see changes and and positive well, who changes. Who bought in Gus Gunther? Who handpicked Paul Gunther? Who handpicked Paul Gunther to be the DC? Gruden. Who okay, so mistakes Gruden. have never happened. Nobody, you, no one's ever made a mistake in in who they hired as as a that coordinator. A I mean, that, you, that was a that was a swing and a miss. That was a strikeout. It obviously he was. It, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. So now you cut your losses and move on to, and and frankly, I think Gus Bradley was the guy he wanted all along. But Gus Bradley was, uh, you know, had just signed on with the Los Angeles Chargers, so so he was already under contract. The Raiders couldn't have access to him because he was, you know, under contract uh, w- with another team. So it didn't work but out. You just but, can't uh, resolve Gruden from the defensive problems when that was his boy. He wouldn't got him, and he wouldn't fire Buckner, even though um, everybody the defensive line re- regressed under um. Rob they Man didn't Nelly. regress. Everybody, everybody, Mo got better. Clee uh, Farrell got better. I know you're not looking at uh-uh. the tape. I no, know I'm you're refusing at, looking, to watch the tape. And to watch the, I, I watched the tape. I wouldn't watch the 22 tape like he told me, and I saw a little bit improvement, but he, he there, was, there was a lot overall. Clee Farrell, Clee Farrell graded out as a top 15 defensive end in the NFL. He was top 12, top 11 until he got hurt at the end of the year, and COVID 19, um, uh, you know, uh, took effect. He was <laughs> he was having a very good year. He got better. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that. Hey, listen. Uh, I'm, I'm, hey, wait, hold on, hold on. I'm not saying. I'm not year. saying that. I'm not saying that. Um, uh, that Rod Marinelli gets all the credit for that. The credit goes to 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 Clee Farrell. He promised to come back a different player, a better player, and he made good on that promise. But I look at the talent. Right, but I'm you're the more about, about continuity. Don't you think if we'd have brought Buckner back, the defensive line would have had continuity and they would have continued to improve and even have better. I didn't like. I, I didn't like what I saw in 2019. Hey, producer um, Demon here, guys. We need to go to break. <laughs> All right. All right, y'all. Sorry about that. Um, have a good one, y'all. My bad. I didn't mean to take up that much time. Oh, no, no. Go it's ready. all good, man. And uh, you're listening to In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. 